I think the biggest thing that still amazes me is why is everyone so sad going to the tube? You know, it's not like they're going to the funeral, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I think that it's super important to raise your energy and to be happy regardless of what you're doing. Hello, I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. So today on the show, we have Lily Petrascu. Lily is a former au pair, interior designer, author of three books, from Meet the Nanny, Zero to Hero, to Peak Performance Sales. She is currently helping people all around the world, and she's currently helped over 10,000 people from all walks of life speak their message. She hosts events such as Brand for Speakers, Speakers are Leaders, and Entrepreneurs are Leaders, and she's currently hosting the Millionaire Speakers Network. So okay. Lily, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for making time today. Thank you, Joel. Okay. I really, really appreciate it. You have an amazing podcast, so I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you very much. So right, let's, let's dig straight in. So um, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you have going on in the world right now? Thank you so much for asking. So I am Lily and um, I empower people to enhance their image so they can attract more business to them and um, to enhance their personal brand as well by writing a book and then by turning that book into multiple streams of income. So for example, turning it into a workshop or into an online course or something else that they're able to leverage in order to um, have their content known by other people. And also so they can bring their own story to life in a way that is entertaining and fun and in a way that other people are able to understand it. Okay. Okay, so I, 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 and I know you're quite, uh, uh, what's the word, with, with, the, with events and books. I mean, you're an accomplished author. You, I've been checking out your events online. There's all over the world. Yeah. So is so, there anything lined up? Anything coming up? Yes. So um, just last year, I have empowered more than 10,000 people to enhance their image. And my partner and I, we have... Um, public speaking training. It's called Speakers Are Leaders. And we also have some, um, some other programs, Entrepreneurs Are Leaders and Millionaire Speakers Network. And we have an upcoming program, which is called Speakers Are Leaders, which is in December on the 7th and 8th of December. And um, thousands of people around the world from entrepreneurs, influential entrepreneurs, uh, property investors, property developers, coaches, um, micro-influencers have attended this course and have had amazing results in terms of closing sales and becoming more confident, overcoming the fear of speaking, and uh, even starting to speak daily on social media after not, not having spoken for three years, even that. That's, yeah, I know that's quite a big one. Yeah. Um, I was on a course yesterday and the, the lady was saying the biggest way to impact people is through social media. Mm-hmm. But what they were saying, the, what the lady said who was running the course was um, not everybody's comfortable sharing on social media. It's, you know, it's, everyone's engaged in it to a degree. Mm-hmm. But, it's, you know, it's, it takes something to be bothered to go, especially like vlogging mm-hmm. or something like that. You know, it's... Uh, it's, 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 it's a lot of stuff that goes on in the background <laughs> of our minds when we're actually contemplating that. 
So uh, I can imagine that being, well, I can imagine that that being transformational. Yes. I mean, there are so many people who have attended this course and, you know, fear of public speaking is the biggest fear that uh, people have in the world. And it has ripple effects on everything that you can imagine from asking someone out on a date, from, um, I don't know, asking for a promotion, asking for a pay rise, or um, even daring to call, you know, a, a, a potential client and um, having the guts to ask for your worth and just simply speaking on social media and talking about your product. And I know how difficult this is because I've been terrified of public speaking for 30 years. In fact, it was so bad that even in a conference of 20 people, I would struggle to even put my hand up and say something. And what changed was the fact that one day I just decided I'm going to be an international public speaker. And as exciting as it sounded, the problem was that I had the big decision but I didn't have the follow through. I didn't have the action to go with it, right? So, but I gradually started to say, okay, I'm going to speak for one minute um, anywhere I was able to do it. And sometimes I would have to rehearse 70 times just to deliver one minute speech. And even I would go there and it would be horrible. And I even remember my worst one where I went to the stage and, um, they just asked me, right? So what do you like to do in the evening? And I just had to basically talk about that for one minute. And I just wasn't able to say anything. I, I was just like completely like frozen. And all I could say was, well, I like to do Facebook and read. And literally the whole thing just turned into a Q&A. And I wasn't able, even able to talk for one minute. Because, you know, when I was young, my grandmother used to beat me a lot and, and she would um, tell me that I'm stupid and fat and ugly. And I had those kind of thoughts, you know, like in my head, every single time I would go, I would try to go on stage or I would try to, to do anything that related to speaking. I would have these thoughts of, of self-judgment, like self-criticism. And I would think, you know, like, who do I think I am? Why am I speaking? And, you know, I'm really not worth it. I'm not good enough. And, and I'm never going to amount to anything. You know, all those things that she would tell me, they would just come up every time that I went on stage. So they would make it so much more difficult to actually come and say something. And it was only when my partner, Harry, came up with this idea to create Speakers Are Leaders in order to train me and also to train the leaders in our organization that it became possible for me to, to overcome my fear. And since then, just last year, I spoke worldwide in front of more than 10,000 people in Singapore, Peru, Mexico, and the UK. And this year I'm invited to speak in Uruguay and, and Dubai and Costa Rica and Spain and Cyprus. And I've already spoken already two times in Mexico this year and in Singapore two times as well. And in the UK, I can't even count. That's, that's a bit of a transformation. Yes, yeah, so it all happened actually in the last two years, which I think is pretty awesome because I have been uh, avoiding public speaking for 30 years. And, um, and it's, it's really incredible how I managed to just, you know, all of a sudden to just let go of that fear. And the, the, the really key thing that I want to tell people is that, you know, when you overcome the fear of speaking, it's not like the fear really goes away completely. There is always that tiny bit of fear that is there, but it becomes a lot 
friendlier. You know, the voice is a lot quieter, you know, with practice. So what you manage to achieve by just coming to Speakers Aridos is that you start to speak in spite of your fear. You, you know, like when you, um, I think guys maybe are more familiar with this concept. You know, when you're trying to ask someone out, right? And you're just like looking and thinking, okay, should I do it? Should I not, should I not do it? And then finally, you just put the, you know, pull up the courage and you do it. Or you ask someone out. And okay, maybe it happens for girls as well sometimes. But um, it's kind of the same thing. You just kind of like, are given the tools and techniques. So you are just able to pull up this courage anytime, anywhere. And that's what happens, which I think is pretty awesome. And then you just become better and better and better. We also have a lot of international speaking opportunities. Like we have one upcoming in Ireland, another one in Singapore. And, uh, you know, every time that we speak, we have at least one big promoter who says, you know, can you also speak there? So, for example, like we spoke in Peru. Well, actually, before that, we spoke, um, well, Harry appeared at the um, event with uh, Les Brown. Les Brown spoke in London in January 2018. And I came on stage just for a testimonial for two minutes. And as a result of that, we were invited to speak in Peru at 10 different speaking opportunities for investment companies, universities, and um, hotel chains, and even librarian, which I think is pretty awesome. And uh, what, what happened was there, we were invited to speak in Colombia. And also in Peru, we were invited to speak in Mexico. And then because we went to Mexico, we were invited to speak another time in a different location in Mexico. And then we were invited to speak in another uh, location as well at the Global Business Corporation, where there were like the largest companies I had ever, um, you know, seen really. Like you saw the videos and they had these, um, you know, like the largest exporter of rice in a particular country. So you can just imagine the magnitude. And then those people invited us to go to Uruguay and Costa Rica um, at the Chamber of Commerce in Costa Rica as well. And uh, also we had recently a billionaire speak at our event, you know, the, the, the billionaire founder of Simitsarai, which is a bakery shop as well. So all these kind of things, you know, they start really small. So if you look at my pictures, for example, from two years ago, you'll see I started speaking in a very small room of 20 people. And then it just got, kind of gradually starts to mushroom. So the really cool thing is that if you have any sort of product or anything at all to sell, then you are, you know, if you are more confident speaking, then it's good to at least use the skill in order to speak about your product online, whether it's on video or whether it's, you know, in a conference or whether it's, you know, wherever it is, this is a skill that really is super valuable. So I wonder if we could go back a little bit to what you said in the beginning, yes. which was uh, your, your upbringing. I mean, there, there was some pretty deep, probably deep-seated emotional um, beliefs about yourself. So how did, you, how did you start to unpick those sorts of things? How did I start to, to, um, to kind of recover from that, you mean? Yeah, yeah. That's a really good question. I really struggled with that. I've been actually insecure really all my life. And, um, and then I remember that I came to London to work as an au pair. And what happened was that I, I brought out, along with me 100 euros and two suitcases of hopes and dreams. And that's really all I had. Okay. And um, I was so excited to be in London. Like, really, I, you cannot imagine how excited I was to be here. And um, I was really um, savoring absolutely every single moment. You know, um, 
and what happened was I started, I started working as an au pair looking after children. And then from the very first week, people noticed how good I was. So they said, you know, how about if you also babysit my children right next door? Um, and what happened was one lady said, you know, Lily, you are excellent. And it really felt like for the very first time I felt, wow, someone really believes that I am excellent because, you know, in my family, it was all about, you know, criticism, you know, it's about like, you know, my, 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 my marks were like 9.81 out of 10. And uh, it just felt like, you know, it's never enough, you know, like why, you know, like my, the questions at home would be like, okay, why didn't you get 10 mm-hmm. out of 10, you know, uh, cause 9.81 is not good enough. You know, just imagine, you know, studying for four years and getting that as, as your average, you know, and, and it's not enough. And, and it was for the very first time. And I really felt like, like I mattered, you know, like, like someone really believed that I was good for something. Like I, I really could amount to something. And, um, and uh, it was in that moment that I really, I really felt that, you know, like, wow, Lily, you are excellent. And, um, and then what happened was that I, I started working as an au pair and um, looking after kids and everyone was just saying, oh my God, Lily, you are so amazing and so amazing and so amazing. And I kept hearing that everywhere, you know, and every single day I would ask my employer, you know, what do you think I could uh, improve? from comparing to what I did today, you know? And um, I think that's something that really appreciated. And um, it, you can say that I was always looking for a way to do things better and better and better. So I was always striving to be excellent. Um, and, um, and then what happened later on, at some point I decided that I hadn't really achieved much, you know, because I was traveling, I was having a lot of fun and I was, you know, traveling worldwide. It was, it was really fun, but it, I felt like I still didn't amount to much. I hadn't achieved much. I was 29 at the time. And then I decided that I had to do something, but I just didn't know what it was. So I was, look, I was going around with a piece of paper in my hand and I would say, so what do you think I could do with my skills? I would ask everyone that. And nobody knew. So I had this piece of paper with, you know, what I'm good at, what I love and what's in demand. And, you know, and, and I would just ask everyone. And uh, I went to this conference, right? Uh, and I asked this course leader, you know, what do you think I could do with my skills? And he said, I don't know. But there is one guy over there in the crowd that I think he has an English school. Maybe he can help you. And at the time, I had already published this book, which is Meet the Nanny. And um, from that moment, what happened was that people were, um, people were no longer, you know, um, looking at me as an au pair. They, they were looking at me as an author. And so what happened was I met, I met this guy. His name is Harry, right? So he was a, a bold guy with a punch. I didn't think much of him, really. And he gave me his card, which, frankly, looked really horrible. Um, but uh, <laughs> so I trashed it immediately. <laughs> and uh, and, and um, But what ended up happening was because I published my first book, it was like the thing that it's almost like magic happened. People started to come around me, you know, like to, to basically to, 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 um, ask me what, um, 
you know, what, how did you become an author? How did you manage to do it by yourself? And, and they were no longer looking at me as an au pair. They really, uh, you can say that I elevated my personal brand. I didn't know that at the time, but all I knew was that in people's eyes, I was a different person. And I started to attract people like bees, like they were just coming to me. They were just coming to me and they wanted to, to hang out with me and to, you know, to discuss with me. And, you know, previously I was uh, looking for a boyfriend. And um, what I was discovering was that I was meeting these really great guys, right? So they were lawyers, accountants, and property investors. They would have great conversation. And at the end of the evening, they would ask me, so what do you do, Lily? You're very fascinating. And I would say, you know, I'm a nanny. And then they would just run away faster than lightning and, and never to be seen again. And uh, it was only after I published my book that I can tell you, nobody was running away from me anymore. And from that moment, my entire life changed. Harry offered me um, a job to manage his property business and also his English school and, and, and his uh, career advice um, part of the business where um, I was able to help more than 2,000 people to find a job in London and accommodation and as well English lessons. And then I published another book, which is English from Zero to Hero, where um, that you know has been downloaded more than 2,000 times and uh, that people have used in order to get their first job in London. And, and that was really a great thing. I really liked that. And the thing that I loved the most was that I realized that I had a special skill. And what that was, was um, making something that was ordinary, making it really great, making it look extraordinary. So how I did that, um, Harry at the time had this property manager that was managing the property business before, before he hired me. And she went on holiday just for the weekend because she was struggling to, to rent the property for like two days. I mean, two days, I mean, um, for two weeks. And what happened was I went to the property and I said, you know, can I rent this property? And, you know, Harry didn't think I could. Um, and what I did was I looked at it and I said, my God, how can you possibly even try to rent this thing? This place doesn't look great. So what I did is I painted the whole thing. I can tell you, I don't know how to paint. I didn't know how to paint at the time. So I painted everything. I painted the windows, <laughs> the floor, <laughs> myself. Like really, I painted everything. But at the end of the day, the whole place was really magnificent. And then I put some really nice cushions. I you know, put some flowers, some plants, some different things. And I made it, made it really exciting. I made the whole property look really amazing. And as a result, I managed to increase the price of each room by between 150 and 250. So, and then I, I rolled this out for the entire business, right? So, um, and I was like, literally, I was willing to do whatever it took. You know, I even had this incident where one time the paint actually broke, you know, like I had these two massive um, cans of paint and uh, one of them broke in front of the house. That was a bit of a nightmare. And uh, no taxi wanted to take me home because, <laughs> because I looked like I had fallen in paint. <laughs> and, but but the, the end result was that I was really willing to do whatever it took to make something that was, was just ordinary to make it look extraordinary. 
I really was willing to do whatever it took um, to, to, to turn something, to create something extraordinary from something ordinary. And then I knew that that was my skill, that I really am great at improving things. You know what? Looking at, okay, what could be the small touches that could be transformed in something and then turn it into something amazing. And, but after having done that, you know, for five years, I was really bored of tenants because, um, you know, I love giving great service, but it really annoys me to, to go there and to see crumbs or to see that they're not keeping the house in the way that I left it, you know? So then I kind of really got bored of that. So I decided to scale that back and to focus on, okay, what, what do I, what am I really good at? You know, what am I really, really good at? do I enjoy? What is fun for me? So then I, I realized that what has always been fun for me was singing and dancing, but I'm not going to be a singer or a dancer. So, and th there's also writing, which is something that I really love and selling. I love selling because I feel that unless you are able to actually sell your product, which is amazing, to your client, what happens is that someone else is going to come up with a worse product, is going to dress it up as a good one, and then the customer is going to be way, way worse. And for that reason, I love selling. I love selling because I believe in my product, because I just know that if someone is, is, um, is using a product that I have been, you know, that that I can, I'm delivering, then I know that it's going to look great. And I know I'm going to deliver. I'm going to over deliver sometimes by 10 times. So because of that, I really love that. I really love writing copy for, for website and I love writing books as well. So I decided to start doing that, to write books for other people and to write more books for myself as well and to help entrepreneurs and micro influencers and property investors to get published so that they can enhance their personal brand. Because you know, as soon as you do that, what happens is that you can attract quality people to you. If, you know, I want you to imagine this. If you have, um, if you have let's say, the best candy in the world, but you wrap it up in shit, then what happens is that it's perceived as shit, you know? So, whereas if you wrap it up into a really amazing package, what happens is that people are more likely to value it. They're more likely to see it as great quality. So in the same way, if what I'm really great at is packaging you, packaging entrepreneurs and micro-influencers, property investors, in a way that they can turn what they know into a package, whether it's a book, whether it's a workshop, whether it's um, even come in and speak at on, on our stages in Singapore or Ireland or, or, or in, in the UK or Mexico or Peru or wherever, and to make them look great. And what happens is that because they look great, they attract quality people, the kind of people that will not come to you and say, I'm looking for a discount. And even if you're charging 10 pounds, they will ask for a discount. You know, you don't want that. So... No, yeah, absolutely. So you, you just touched on something then. Um, uh, you said earlier on, um, you 
when you initially went into this this court this interest which has led to uh it started off as uh, au pair yes. then then to f- like a room designer interior designer then into uh, speaking and author authoring all those are st- uh, the steps if you were to look walk those steps backwards to the to the nanny because mm-hmm. you you got into the the authorship and the speaking from asking yourself what would i enjoy to do you know what do i enjoy what yeah. what led you to nanny what was the what was the, what was the, what was the the situation around getting to that initial point because that seems to be the springboard mm-hmm. for the rest of your success oh god it's such a sensitive topic really and um I think, um, you know, like when I was in Romania, I had just graduated. I had just uh, graduated from university. I was studying French and English literature. And, uh, you know, I, I had done a teaching degree so I can oh, well. teach French and English. <laughs> and, um, and what happened was for about three months in the summer, I was looking for a job and I couldn't really find. My mom was putting a lot of pressure on me. You know, you have to find something. You have to find something. So I really felt like I was really like, in a way, unwanted at the time it's not that she said that i just felt it you know uh it's just a story that i was telling myself really to think about it and what happened was at the end of the summer i i got three jobs actually you know three potential jobs and one was to be a teacher um of french but they would pay only 80 pounds per month which, you know, you would think, okay, maybe in Romania, the prices are lower, but no, they are not that low, that low as to justify living on that wage because a pair of jeans is still 15 pounds, even in Romania, if you were to choose the cheapest, you know, like the cheapest, like the Primark style sort of thing. And uh, so I really didn't want to be dependent on my mother and to live with her. I really, oh my God, I just really hated that idea. And then a friend of mine from university said, you know, why don't we just go together to, to become an au pair in, in England? And I thought, I don't really think I want, would like to go to England because, you know, it's cold and people are cold and people don't know how to dress. Like these are the kind of stories, again, that were just, you know, fantasies really because it's not true, you know? It's just, it's just a, the sort of um, opinions that, uh, you know, people just believe but it really wasn't true it was just whatever stories that I would tell myself that it was true and then she said no come on let's go let's do it let's do it so what happened we went together to this uh, au pair agency and can you believe that she actually never never came you know like she took me there she insisted on going and finally after I got accepted you know and I had two offers of you know going uh, to to look after some children in in Dover or somewhere close to uh, London it wasn't really London it was in Esher and it was like the most incredible thing you know I was living in this uh, house with four floors and it was huge it was like a Romanian block you know so <laughs> I was impressed. I was so impressed. I mean, literally, I, could, I think I could play football in my room. It was that big. And I absolutely loved it. I was astonished, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's how I came. I came. Uh, but the, the sensitive part was that um, 
frankly, they were not giving me that much food. So I decided that I just really wanted to live in a place where, where they would, they would give me some food. So I decided to move to another family. And, um, and the reason why I, I actually stuck around and I did this for eight years was the fact that I felt like I really belonged. Like I really felt like I had a real family, you know, where we would sit down at the dinner table and have real conversation and, and have nice things to say about each other, you know, and I really liked that. And in my family, we would, you know, my mom was hardly at home, you know, she was really hardworking and she was working as a director of a large company with 250 employees. And she would leave at six o'clock in the morning and come back at 12 every day, including Sunday. So she would just call us like five to 10 times a day and hope that we wouldn't get into trouble. But of course, of course, many times we did, like we would forget the gas on or go to school and forget the water on and go to school and come back with a flood. So lots of things, but mainly I was okay. <laughs> Somehow I survived. Yeah, I think you've done more than survive. I think you flourished. Yes. But I think that I needed that, you know, if things were not bad at home, I would never have come to England, you know, I would never have come to London. And so the, the point of the story is that when you go through a tough situation, it's because it's trying to point, you can say your compass to the direction you're supposed to be taking. So sometimes the story that we tell ourselves about, you know, how, you know, oh my God, she did this to me or he did this to me. And, you know, because of that, I'm a victim and, you know, um, all those things. The thing is that I just decided I'm putting that in the trash and it's not true. What is true is that whatever my grandmother told me or whatever my mom told me, whatever, they were only doing it because they love me. And that was their way of showing me love. And also that was the way of, of life to kind of point me in the right direction. Because if I had a really fantastic boyfriend in, in Romania, I would maybe never have come here. And really I struggled to get a boyfriend in Romania. And, and, and I was like 27 kilos slimmer than now. I, I know you listeners cannot see that, but, but you just have to trust me on that. And so I really struggled even then because I had such low confidence so the point of the story is that you just need to focus on feeling good. And this is really something that I discovered. I think that was the, the, the biggest turning point that I had in my life. And that is when, um, you know, just, just before I, I, I published my book, I had this moment of searching, you know, I was searching and I was searching for something. I wasn't sure what it was, but in that moment of searching, what I started doing was, um, was to look for, okay, what is it that I really love? What is it that I really love? So I made this massive list of maybe like a hundred things that I love. Okay, dancing, eating chocolate, uh, I don't know, singing and all those things, you know? So I, I put literally absolutely everything that I love. Playing tennis, swimming, uh, I don't know, dancing salsa. And what happened was then I decided that I'm going to put those things in my diary every single week. So before I even had work, I mean, I knew I had to block out the work time, which was like eight in the morning until at least 7 p.m. Um, and then I would say, okay, from 7 p.m., I can choose to do something fun. So three times a week, I would go salsa dancing. Three times a week, I would do um, 
I go, go to the pool, you know, and then um, shopping one once a week. And and also I read this book, the, the work week, the four hour work week. Yeah. And what I did was I actually got a cleaner and a, an ironing lady to actually iron my clothes and, and to clean my house so that I could focus more of that energy on something that I really loved. And as a result, I was in such vibrant energy, like really my energy was just off the charts. And that's when I really, you know, I started producing the book and then I met Harry and I I literally like the guys that were meeting me, they were just like, oh my God, they were just really, really dying to meet me, you know, ever since I published the book because because I was in, you know, feeling, focusing on feeling good. And this is super, super important to, you know, like um, so many business uh, owners, not just business owners, but really anyone who works at all. The thing is that what we do is we get into this routine of, you know, okay, nine to five or nine to eight or whatever time you work. And there's no time for you. There's no me time. And what happens is that because of that, you forget why you love your wife, you know, you forget why you love your children. You, because if you're just giving to other people, you know, you just come home and it's like the children screaming and, and then you, you don't do the things that you love anymore, like playing tennis or meeting with the guys or, I don't know, knitting, whatever it is that you like drawing. Um, what happens is that you lose yourself. And when you lose yourself, that's when you, you have those moments of desperation of like midlife crisis because you're not yourself anymore. You're just someone else. You're like a shell just walking around. And, uh, and that's what I discovered at the time. And it, it really, really worked to kind of get me rechanneled. So that's why I think it's super essential for, for anyone who has a midlife crisis to, to kind of just take maybe a day where they just take some time for themselves and they, they go to a place that they really, really love. Right. So for me, I love going to Sloan square in London because it's, it's got a really great energy. I also love Paddington, for example. Um, but depending on where you live, you can go pretty much anywhere, you know, in a place that you really, really love that has great energy where that makes you feel really great. It doesn't matter if it's the gym or a certain cafe or, you know, something that gives you that feeling of belonging and, and fun and relaxation. You know, it could be a massage parlor. It doesn't matter. And just take, even if it's a couple of hours, for yourself and to think, okay, what do I love? What do I love? What makes me feel good? And then write like a big list of that, like a hundred things that I, that you love. And it could be very, very simple things, you know, like, you know, eating a particular meal, having a drink with a particular friend or, you know, it could be really anything. And then once you did that, just start putting that in your diary alongside your work, like block out the time frame alongside your work. So if you're saying, let's say you work nine to eight or nine to six or whatever, just put two hours for you. And that when you, when you focus on you, when you give yourself that me time, what happens is that you become again, that loving husband, that loving wife, that, that, uh, you know, that person with high energy that you can say maybe a lot of a lot of people have lost, you know, that, that vibrancy, that desire to live, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it's not even that um, you need to actually, you know, separate from your wife or whatever. No, it's like, it's just a, 
you just gotta give yourself a bit of time to reassess. And when you do that, you go home and then you see your wife with a, you know, with a um, fresh eyes. Because when you have time for you, you are you again. You know, you are you in the beginning of the relationship. You are you. You are exciting. You are you're vibrant. You're energetic. And the thing is that also everything comes from you. You know, like a lot of people think, you know, it's his fault. It's her fault. It's, it's, you know, it's this, it's this thing that happened at work. It's my, because my boss shouted at me or because this thing happened. And that's just, it's like, you, we just have to get rid of that feeling of, you know, it's not my fault. You know, it all starts from you. Everything starts from you. If you change your own attitude, if you change your own energy, if you change your, your, your feeling, you know, how you feel, if you go to, the, you know, if you go and exercise in the morning or you do something that you love, what happens is that even if your wife or your, 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 your partner or whatever tells you something, you're not going to take it as badly as you would normally because you're energized. I completely agree with you. It's uh... I used to struggle to put time aside for my, my own personal, I call it care, but I like to go to the gym uh-huh. because I had, and I've said this many times on the podcast, I, I often struggled with feelings of guilt because I wouldn't be willing, if I had time free, it should be with them. But what mm-hmm. that turned into was not quite resentment, but me giving from uh, an empty cup. Yes. So I, I, I wasn't full. And therefore, I didn't have the energy to give in. So therefore, I was energy less. Because yes. there was, <laughs> do you know what I mean? There's never anything coming back into the cup. Uh, and it's still something that's, you know, I don't train, try not to train after work. I try to train when they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't impact them. But I'm still acutely aware of that trade-off between time for me, time for us. Yes. You know? So I'm just being aware of that balance. It can, uh, it can, it can, it can really mess with your head if if you're not clear on the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. So that's why, for example, I've discovered that if I take care of me in the morning, even if it's 15 minutes, you know, by having, you know, my, you know, my vitamins and having a green juice and having a tiny bit of time of peace, you know, just to listen some meditation music and even though I don't actually meditate, I just take a bit of time to listen to calm music, calming music. Mm-hmm. Um, it really puts me in a completely f- different frame of mind. And because of that, I just look at life completely differently. I'm much more excited about doing things, you know, whereas if you are continuously tired and you don't give some time for yourself, then it's really difficult for you to, to really look at anything and really enjoy it. It doesn't matter what your work is, you know? And actually there is another thing that I learned from how to win friends and influence people, which was that by refer, reframing what you're doing, you know? So for example, even when I was in, uh, you know, when I was an au pair, I really liked even any single thing that I was doing, you know, okay, I was listening to, to audiobooks and things like that whilst ironing or whatever. So that was something that I was doing to leverage my time. But um, it's really important 
to reframe what you're doing. It doesn't matter whether you're doing something really boring, like even completing a form. You know, if you are able to reframe what you're doing and think about, you know, be pleasant and be and enjoy that moment, what happens is that you attract more fun moments in your life. Whereas if you are not able to really enjoy what you're currently doing, it's going to be less likely that you will enjoy something that you would like to do differently, you know? So, so if you're always bitter, you know, at work, even if you hate your job, you know, what happens is that it's going to be really difficult for you to change your job. And it's going to be really difficult for you to, even when you change your job to a better one, to actually be happy, you know? So, um, so that's what I, I, I started doing. Um, because Dale Carnegie in, in that book was talking about how important it is to reframe what you're doing and be happy, be the happiest person at work, you know, and be the best person at work and be excellent, you know, and, and really do your best and focus on improvement and so on. So what I started doing was that and because of that, um, I started enjoying every single moment regardless of what I was doing so I also was really rejoicing the fact that you know the kids in the morning they would just be so excited to see me you know they'd be like you know they would be so excited to see me and I really I really felt like I I belonged did you um going back again to when when those kids were coming down the stairs and and you sort of led into that au pair uh role is what led you there curiosity or was it just something else? To, um, okay, to become an au pair, what led me was the opportunity of actually working abroad. That was the main thing. Okay. But I did like children anyway, and um, I enjoyed my time with them, and I can tell you that I did my best. So to the point that I would never even take personal calls at work, you know, so I would really be very serious, you know, and committed. Um, but the truth is that I came because there was a job opportunity, which I thought is something that I could do because I would, I knew that I would enjoy looking after children. And at the same time, it would give the, give me the opportunity to travel and to, you know, travel in a different country and actually have a very funny story about how I got here. Maybe for another podcast. Maybe, know. maybe, yeah. We say don't get to <laughs> cover everything tonight. Um, no, so that's that's great actually, because I mean, even though you were struggling with stuff back home and you know, the other situations and and and, and that um, constantly pursuit of not good enough, would it would it be fair to say that that pursuit that uh, that the uh, the family setting set you up for the success you currently got yes absolutely because i was always striving to be better and i actually thought i wasn't good enough so i would always try to be the best and i didn't realize until much later like for example now i have a cleaner right but and i've had cleaners before but i have never had a cleaner like the kind of standard that i i would have done it you know like to the point of if the family would tell me, you know, cook this meal or wipe my shoes or whatever they told me, I would just do it blindly. You know, I would be like, oh, yes, I'll do it right now. And with a smile on my face and I would be like so excited and I would enjoy every moment of it. And I loved being with, you know, spending time with children 
Whereas, you know, a lot of nannies or au pairs or whatever, they would be like, you know, speaking on the phone, you know, whilst the children are just like not really paying attention to them and so on. And I was never that person. So yeah, totally. The fact that they were, you know, criticizing and so on, it helped me. It catapulted me to success. So um, because of my, you know, attempt to perfection. Yeah. What you said then reminded me of, uh, I've been listening to uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's book, his uh-huh. uh, is life story. And he, he said something similar, like you'd be in the gym grinding away. Um, but he was so focused on the vision of his future. Mm-hmm. The reps, when, when, you, when you train, you're doing the reps and you've got your muscles are burning off because it's just agony. He was smiling. <laughs> that's all he did as he said this guy he's lifting these incredible weights you know but his, his arms and everything was shredded and he's in obviously in pain but he was still smiling because he could see what he was doing with getting where he wanted to be he was living in the future mm-hmm. you know and that's what you just said then sort of reminded me of his of his mentality around that like you know his this is a, you could see the opportunity. You could see that there was a potential, there was potential there. And you were mm-hmm. sort of like, yeah, I'm going to do this and do it the best I can do it mm-hmm. because I can. Yes. You know? And I think there is another thing that's super important, which is something that I don't see a lot of people doing, but I think it's so characteristic characteristic of my name. You know, my, my name is, is actually not just Lily. It's actually Lily of the Valley translated from Romanian. And recently I discovered that it means return to happiness. That is the symbolism of my name. And uh, I've noticed also that the royals always have a bouquet of lily of the valley, you know, flowers all the time. And um, it, it made me think about, okay, return to happiness. That's something that's who I am. So for example, like, do you remember the, the hundred euros that I brought initially? That's the only money that I actually had. That's the money that I came with. And luckily, um, I had a job where I was living with the family. So I had a car and they would give me money for petrol and they would, you know, um, give me money for food. And also I would live with them. So, and then also I would get like a weekly wage sort of thing, like 65 pounds or something a week or something. But um, you know that I cherished that money, 65 pounds. And even I saw, oh my God, I love sweets, you know, and every single chocolate is like one pound 50. And I, I just cherished every single dime. And I was excited, you know, I was super happy just even with 65 pounds. I was like, oh my God, I, I was just over the moon. And I remember that year I went to, um, but you know, to a salsa, not a salsa, sorry, um, like a New Year's Eve party, right? And with a friend. And I didn't have money for, um, to drink anything. And I, I don't, I don't drink alcohol normally anyway, but, um, I would have wanted, you know, at least a juice like J2O or orange juice or whatever. And I remember that I used that money, a hundred euros. I exchanged it for 70 pounds. That was the exchange rate at the time. Um, and then I bought two tickets for New Year's Eve for the Piccadilly Institute, which is, was called something different at the time. And I partied all night for like six hours. I mean, what I mean by party, like danced, 
for six hours and I can tell you I had the most fun there and I had not a single dime for a single drink. I just had tap water all night. Um, so what I'm trying to say with this is that for me, it doesn't matter how much money I have. That is not a condition for me to actually have fun. You know, I can have 20p in my pocket and I can just laugh out loud and just have the best time of my life. I can tell you that any day of the week. It doesn't matter how much money I have. And, but the fact that I, but th that I enjoy, you know, everything, you know? So for example, like if I buy strawberries, I'm like, wow, strawberries, it's so exciting. And, you know, I, I just really enjoy very basic things, you know, bread and water and I don't know, um, having a, a nice house or literally every single thing. It just makes me so excited, you know? And uh, to the point that it's a tiny bit annoying, you know, for other people, I think, because, you know, when I go to a really cool office, you know, like I'm like, wow, this is amazing, you know? And other people get to work there and they never say anything. They're just like, normal, you know, they just have like a normal attitude. And I even remember one day I visited the KPMG a site because there was a mother who needed um, some help with with her child for the day and I was a visitor there and I can tell you I, I I was the most excited person in the building because I was visiting KPMG so I was just <laughs> and I remember uh, my boyfriend at the time was asking me what you're just a visitor you know why are you so excited and I just said you know because it's exciting and <laughs> it's exciting to be here you know it's exciting to do very very basic things and it, it still is like this you know like I'm still like that like um I don't know someone play, pays me a compliment I celebrate it I buy some strawberries from the supermarket I celebrate it I buy milk yes I celebrate it you know like literally I have I celebrate everything because that makes me feel alive you know and uh when you celebrate everything, you kind of prime yourself to attract more because people are attracted to high energy and the person with the highest energy in the room is going to sell to the other one, right? So if you have the highest energy, then you can sell your product. If you don't, then your client is going to sell to you why they cannot do it. I mean, if no. Okay. Yeah, I haven't knew that before. That's, yeah, that makes complete sense though. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 one to bear in mind when you're when networking and stuff like that. Yes. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Okay. Can we? Um. Can you tell us a story uh, about something that has amazed you? A story about something that has amazed me. Let me think. Um. Which story do I have? Um, I can't think of anything right now uh, that amazed me. Um, Could be from your childhood recently when you moved over here or in your, trans your business transactions or meetings or? I think the biggest thing that still amazes me is why is everyone so sad going to the tube? You know, it's not like they're going to the funeral, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that it's super important to raise your energy and to be happy regardless of what you're doing. 
And another thing that I think is important is to, to enhance your image, you know, because when you enhance your image, you attract the right people to you. So at our events, for example, we were able to attract celebrities. So we had, for example, Marie Diamond from the movie, The Secret, that was viewed by 500 million people, you know, and, and two years ago, I remember watching that movie and I was so amazed. I watched it several times and I never imagined I could have her speak at our event. And just in July this year, we had Eric Ho. He has, he's a millionaire monk. That's his, you know, branding name. And uh, he has 600,000 subscribers in YouTube. And he talks about manifestation, law of attraction, so on. And he also spoke at our event. And we had a billionaire, you know, uh, that spoke at our event. I never really imagined the extent of what is actually possible you know like when I, I remember when i was when i was in romania and you know my family is very religious and um i remember they would just like open up a page from the bible and uh, you know i frankly i've never been spiritual or religious or anything but what happened was i remember that she opened this page and it just sounded like i was going to do something really great you know and, you know, there's always been two voices in my head. One that said, you know, you are going to do amazing things, like unimaginable, amazing things. And another voice that always said, you know, like, who do you think you are? You're never going to be good enough. You're stupid. You're bad. You're ugly, you know? And, but I always, you can say like deep, really deep, deep, deep down, I knew that I was going to be great. You know, and I'm still, I can't say that I am where I want to be right now. I'm still on my way there, but I just know I'm going to be like Romanian Oprah, you know? So at some point I'm going to, to impact a hundred million people to share their stories and go after what they want and be happier. And I know I'm going to be this person. I just don't know when exactly but I know it's going to happen. And many times uh, the things that I have thought about, uh, that I have envisioned have actually happened. I'll give an example. Um, seven years ago, I had just broken up from my boyfriend. And what happened? I decided that I wanted to live in a flat with a pool. I wanted basically a room with a pool for 500 pounds in London. So it sounded very unrealistic because, you know, uh, a normal room would be 700 or whatever, like a relatively normal room in London. That's the normal price. And with a pool, I mean, it would have to be at least 1500 or who knows. Right. So I, I just said, you know, so I was looking for this kind of room on Google in on Gumtree. And can you believe that I actually found it? <laughs> Funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. So I actually found it and it was on Finchley Road, which is just uh, in a really posh neighborhood. And uh, it had a, a porter, you know, like even a, uh, like a, an artesian fountain and a gym and a sauna and a swimming pool, like a really large swimming pool. And it was 500 pounds. And it had a little catch, which was that um, I had to teach a little bit of English to the student that was living there. But luckily there were two bedrooms, two bathrooms, two living rooms. So I'll tell you, it was the most amazing time of my life. I was swimming twice a day. So I, I lost a lot of weight. I was looking great. I was feeling great. I was teaching English. It was just 
that's really, really incredible. Now, the second thing that happened that you can say in a way I manifested or made it happen was that a few years ago, I, I just woke up and I just came up with this idea that I'm going to buy a house, you know? And I said, I'm going to buy a house in two months, you know? And my boyfriend said, how, how? You don't have the money. You don't have the, you know, okay, you have some cash flow coming in, but you don't have enough. I needed something like a hundred and a bit, 120. Um, and what happened was I started asking my mother, my brother, my literally, I asked, started asking everybody. And, you know, people would say, no, 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 no. And what happened was I, um, I messaged this, this girl that I knew on Facebook. And I knew she would normally invest in property. And I asked her, you know, I need around... 25,000. But if you can give me, you know, um, 20 or five or two or 1,000 or 500 pounds, whatever you can give me is fine. And I'm willing to pay you interest. So she said, okay, in two days, she gave me money. And she said, actually, I think because I want you to be safe, I'm going to give you 30,000. Gave me 30,000 within two days of me asking her. And I actually managed to buy a property within two and a half months. No way, that's crazy. Yeah. So 70 years ago, what 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 got you into the manifestation thing? What was the what was the trigger? I can't say that I've ever been into manifestation. It was just something that I can't even describe how it is. It's like you just make a decision about something that you want and you just have this clarity that it's going to happen. And when I set my mind on something and I say it and I believe it, that it's going to happen, then I'm just, I'm just looking for it, right? So in a way, I don't know, the universe or whatever, things just start to happen. So, I mean, of course, I had to take a lot of action. It's not like I just sat on the bed or on the chair and just waited for something to fall out of the sky. But uh, it was a lot of action, you know, like a lot of asking a lot of people, but I had faith, you know, I just believed it was going to happen for me. And I just knew it was going to happen. And I can't tell you why I believed it, but, but that's the thing. And for example, right now I, I have three clients, right? That uh, I, I don't have just three clients, but I have three clients that I have this feeling that they're going to be billionaires. And I just know it's going to happen. I just don't know why I know it's going to happen. And we, we, should, we will wait and see if it's going to happen. But the, I just know it's going to happen, you know? So, for example, I have helped them to, to write and publish uh, their book and also to get, you know, their branding done. And, I mean, I have a lot more clients than them, but I just feel that for them. You know, like, of course, I feel that some others will, will be, you know, will enhance their image and their personal brand and this kind of thing. But for those three, I just know they're going to do something really huge, you know, and it has come true to some extent for the moment in terms of like, there are signs that it's happening. So, for example, one of them has written a book about um, how to align yourself, how to basically, um, it's called the prop the the entrepreneur paradox and it's a property entrepreneur and he talks about how to achieve balance in your business you know by um aligning yourself to have a spiritual mental and physical balance so that you can build a sustainable business and what has happened since he published this book was i took him to singapore to speak for about 15 minutes 
on uh, at our event, uh, Entrepreneurs Are Leaders. And as a result, someone from the audience had seven properties to manage in London. So she gave him these properties to manage in London, right? So if you were to pay that, maybe you would have to pay 2,000 pounds sourcing fee for every property. So he saved himself 14,000, right? Now, then on the way back from Singapore, he came up with this idea about a spiritual gymwear brand, which at the moment um, he believes is going to be a billion dollar business. I know it's going to happen. I just can't tell you why I know this. Um, and he's currently working with some of the top designers in the world to create this spiritual gymwear brand. Nice. And also he, um, he has already been signed on by a big brand that he said he cannot reveal yet. So that's exciting. That's just one of them. Another one did this book called one life, one list, the ultimate organization um, system to create a freedom lifestyle. Excuse me. And it, it's got um, such a revolutionary and super simple system about how to organize your life and your business in a way that you automate what you do. You waste less time. You, you, you become at least uh, twice more productive and you have everything at your fingertips when you need it, including your files on the computer. You know, you, you do like a digital declutter, like a house declutter. And I personally think it's going to be more powerful, more powerful, more, more successful than even Marie Kondo's The Magic of Tidying Up because it's, it's, it's a really powerful system that is, is um, in process of being built as, a, as a, uh, an app as well. Okay. And because the guy is actually um, an IT engineer, he actually can build this really quickly as well. So it's going to have like, um, so the book is published already, but it's going to have also um, an app to go with it to help. And I personally think it's going to touch the lives of a hundred million people because it's a really powerful system and it's, it's really simple and it's great for expats. It's great for housewives. It's great for entrepreneurs who want to save money. So again, it's a really, really powerful thing. And there's another one, which is, um, his name is Jimmy and he's doing a, a book on, which is called dare to be imperfect. And it's on, he has cerebral palsy. And despite that, he managed to have his book published. You know, I helped him with the branding and, and with the publishing and, and, you know, getting it together as well. And he has such a powerful message that really anyone can do this, you know. And despite the fact that he was bullied at school and he overcame major, you know, bullying and the fact that even this, the speech is not really that, um, it's really difficult for him, you know, and, and really basic tasks are really, really difficult for him. Despite that, he has an MBA. And despite the fact that, you know, it took him much longer to actually pass, but he still passed. Hmm. And he has the attitude that I believe is going to be a winner. And, you know, I just know they're going to be great. Maybe in a few years, we're going to watch the podcast and say, yeah, Lily, you were right. <laughs> so we shall see. Yeah, let's, let's, yeah. let's touch back at a later date. That'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, those, those sound like fantastic books. I mean, you send the links over and we'll put them on the show and help spread the word along with your books, obviously. Um, but yeah, fantastic, especially the, 
the, the story of struggle and, you know, it's the, somebody who was cerebral palsy to achieve and then, you know, there's a certain mindset that goes with that, that we, yeah. maybe, maybe somebody more abled might not have access to because they haven't overcome, you know, they, every day is a slog, it's a grind, you know, it's, yeah, mm-hmm. that's powerful. That's a powerful message to deliver. Yes. And actually he is a property owner as well, which I think is pretty awesome for someone who really, really struggled with everything, you know? So he really had to battle with, you know, even sending an email is way harder for him than a normal person. And even like, you know, checking Google drive or opening a document, you know, is super hard. And he managed to overcome that and to, you know, to become a property owner and to have a book published. And now he's speaking at banks, uh, at different banks. They invite him to speak. Uh, and also he's a banker as well. Yeah. You sort of put your own stuff into context when you hear stories like that. Yeah. And he yeah. had to apply, uh, you know, to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of jobs mm-hmm. to finally be, be uh, accepted. But luckily he has been accepted. And, and if you see him speak, you are going to be touched, moved and inspired. And uh, that's what he's doing at, at Speakers Leaders. You know, we put him on stage, we give him stage time, we encourage him, we give him different tips so that he can get, you know, so he can spread the word out there about um, his great message, you know? And, and um, what my role was is actually to come up with this great message for them, you know? So it, it really works really well. This is my gift, you know? Their gift is to be awesome. And my gift is to find out the awesome gift that they have, you know? Because every person has something really special. And many times they just speak it, you know? They just say, oh, this or this or this. Most people are not kind of like, in a way, unilateral. They're not just, you know, they don't just love one thing. They love a lot of things. They, they do a lot of things. They know about a lot of things. So it's really hard sometimes to find the one thing that separates them, that is really their gift. Mm-hmm. So it's the same for me. It took me over 30 years to figure out my, what my gift is. But now I realized what my gift is. And my gift is to bring inspirational stories to life in a way that it will impact 100 million people to share their stories and to do what they want and to be happier. And it took me really 30 years to, to get it. But now people that work with me, they don't have to wait 30 years to understand what their message is or to understand what their gift is because I can do it with them. I can figure out what their gift is in a few hours. That's powerful. I mean, it's like say, there's loads of people out there, as you've already said, extremely unhappy. And to anybody that's listening to this, I mean get hold of Lily and, and, and arrange a chat, man. It's a free 15-minute consultation, I believe. Is that right? Yes. So, you know, it, you never know what you've got inside until you actually sit down and talk with somebody. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Uh, two, one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, looking into the future, yes. what would be the most exciting, craziest thing Lily could be doing? Well, I would love to be invited to speak at Oprah's Oprah Winfrey's show and uh, or Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> I would really love that. But uh, it, it would be wonderful to see that 
that I really could impact 100 million people to understand what their gift really is. And at least to be that little bit happier and to go after what they want without, without stopping themselves. Like, for example, I was speaking to this lady in, um, in a cafe right next to my house. And the minute she was speaking to me, she was just sharing her goals and her dreams and her aspirations and how she had no idea how to achieve them. And when she started sharing that, I felt almost like a tingling in my, in my hands that, and I really felt guided. And I really felt like for the very first time, I was worth it. And that, that I really knew what she could do and it wouldn't be that hard for her to, to put her story into a book that into a system that other people could use. And, and that's when I realized that I mattered. I realized that I was worth it. And I realized that she had an amazing gift that she wouldn't know how to share with the world, but I know how to do it. And I know how to do it quickly for her. And that's what my worth is. That is what my message is. That is what I'm meant to do in this life, to help other people to find their gift. Yeah, I love it. I think you've got a fantastic energy. And uh, I've loved talking to you this afternoon. So uh, I implore people that's listening, that may be struggling, either on the, on the crisis side and looking to crush it, get all the lily. And uh, it'll help you move you along this path because it's supposed to be enjoyable. So... You know, there's no point in this suffering when it, when it could be something different. And you, especially with like your perspective, Lily, where, you know, you, it sounds like you're living in gratitude. Yes. In, in every, in every possible way. And that's very powerful. Yes. You know, like I had my own midlife crisis when at 29, when I really felt like I wasn't worth it. Like, why was I living? I had no idea. And then as I started looking into myself, you know, I wrote my book, but I still had no idea. And it, it happened just a couple of years ago that I realized what my gift is. So, you know, I think everybody has a midlife crisis, but a midlife crisis is really a positive thing. Do you know why? It gives you that time to reconnect with yourself, to reconnect with that joy that you know, when you were a kid and you went out to play football or whatever you did, you had that joy, you know, for everything. And then, you know, when you married your wife or when you, when you had your first child, again, you had that joy that was limitless. That was like so big, you cannot even put it in words. And it was the energy that you had was, was so gigantic that nobody could, could take your smile away. And then something happened. You know, something in your life happened that, that where you kind of stopped having that me time, you stopped doing what you love. And instead you replace that for just time with the children or just time with the routine. And then you forgot about you. And when you realize that, that the moment you, you just take a little bit of time for yourself. And if you're able to do that every single day, then it's worth cutting back on something on Netflix or I don't know, something 
that is going to bring that inspiration, that joy, that excitement, where you don't have to change the activities. They're just reframing that feeling. And what happens is that when you have that joy, you remember what used to make you feel really excited. You remember how good it used to feel to, to, to do basic things, you know, uh, like going to work, you know, and you can go to work after that, after your two hours of me time and be super excited, even if you're going there at seven o'clock in the morning and you're super tired because you just have that me time where you take the time to say thank you for being alive, you know? Every single day where you, I'm above ground is a celebration. So <laughs> that's what it is. Absolutely. Lily, I, I want to acknowledge you and, and, and thank you for uh, bringing your energy uh, this evening and, 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 your, and your positive vibe. It's, it's been intoxicating. Um, but also for, for what you're doing for people uh, and acknowledge you that, you know, keep, keep doing it. And I know not that that's going to make you do it more, but just to encourage you that you're onto something. And I, and I, and I think it's fantastic what you're doing because there's, there's people out there that are, need somebody like you to help them and uh i think it's fantastic so thank you very much for coming on and uh, it's been a pleasure to have you thank you so much joel and i have heard about the success of your podcast and i hope that it continues to grow and um it's really really amazing to be invited as well and i wish you all the best and i am very excited to hear about your following podcasts as well thank you lily Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram, and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful, and professional people who feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging, and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit. Okay, Lily, you cut him there. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You you got a you got a fantastic fantastic vibe. It's uh it is it it, it does it comes through the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Which is it's is good, you know. It's, it's exactly what you want to do when you when you you're trying to get that message out there that you've got. You know, it's it's, it's got to it's got to be tangible. You got to feel it, and that's exactly what you're doing. So it's yeah. awesome. Are, you, are we okay to stay in touch going forward? And because uh, I know yeah. I'll be following you and. Yes, absolutely. And if you want to come to any of my events, sometimes I have free events. Sometimes I have, you know, paid events uh, and you're welcome to come. And, you know, I have speakers and leaders should totally come. It's super exciting. It's yeah. like, have you been to Tony Robbins? No, I, no, we've never been to Tony Robbins. No. Okay. Uh, it's, it's more exciting than Tony Robbins in one sense, because you actually get to come on stage four times and you speak. Uh Okay. Four times on stage. And what we do is we take photos of you, we take video, and then you can use that for your marketing assets. And what happens is that when people see you on stage, they are more likely to book you for other speaking opportunities. And also what has happened a lot of times, like for example, we had this lady who was a property investor and she was invited to speak at the same event where we are invited to speak in Dubai. We're going to go there um, just on Monday, you know? And she was just, one of my clients, you know, like uh, she just attended the course and she went on stage to speak for two minutes and she was invited to speak as well. So, fantastic. and another one of our clients, um, he was invited to speak at Harvard 
Wow. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And um, what else happened? Ah, another one of my clients, she had five heart attacks. And now she's in India speaking to at the leadership summit. I'm not sure how many people were there because she didn't take great pictures. <laughs> but she, she also spoke at a school. Not, well, not more than one school. Just I'm, I'm not sure how many, but she, sp she spoke at different schools. But because the pictures was, were really crap, then it was kind of hard to tell. But I'm hoping she will give me some better pictures a bit later. <laughs> but I do. It's pretty awesome, you know. Um, and, and, and she also attended Speakers Are Leaders. And as a result, she was invited to speak in India as well. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. The odd thing is, I literally said to my wife, uh, I think it was last week, that... I was going to, I expressed interest in a course called Speak to Inspire. Uh -huh. And I said, I, I'm interested in this and I'm contemplating it. I wonder if I could do it. But then it was a case of, you know, money, money first, isn't it? You know, you need to have the money, the funds to pay for the course. And, uh, and then, and then I meet you. <laughs> who, who <laughs> although we've like you, you literally text me like the last week or this week and saying I was going through your inbox and you come across my message, so it, it's funny. And I, I'm, I'm, are you familiar with Esther Hicks? And, uh, I think like, is she the, the Abraham Hicks? Is she connected with him or? Yes, yes, yeah. So it's these little synchronicities are cropping up that I'm starting to follow. Because if it feels that's the direction. Yeah. You know, so. so, you know, for example, Sandro, right? I was telling you about him. Um, I'm going to show you. Hold on. Um, so that's him, right? Um, so he was, okay? Yep. Okay. So he was invited to speak in Mexico at a, um, a university with 65 branches because I was speaking about his book online and he also spoke at our event. And he's the guy who got the, the seven properties to manage, you know, oh, as wow. a result of speaking in Singapore. And he's the guy with the spiritual gymwear brand. Cool. And so a lot of things happen, you know, and I do think there is a reason for everything. Hmm. As you know, even for me, like, you know, I, I think that I talked as if I know everything. But really, sometimes I need this, you know, like this me time. Mm. And, uh, you know, like uh, my partner, Harry, he is very much into work, 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 you know? And for me, I don't work like that. You know, if, if I have time for me, then I have time to breathe. So that's why I actually went through the messages, you know? Because, uh, you know, there were lots of people that contact me about, you know, wanting to do the book program. But if, if, uh, you know, if, if Harry's always here, you know, it's, it's hard for me to have that me time to calm myself down and to figure out, okay, what am I going to do next? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you know, like even I need that me time sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. No, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's stay in touch. I mean, and if you've got any events coming up, can you, could you, could you send them my way? Yes. So, you know what? You, you would be crazy not to come to Speakers Are Leaders. I'll tell okay. you that. You have to come. I'm not joking. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's in Dubai, isn't it? No, they're, they're in London. All right, okay. So, so, so when, when is that? 7th and 8th of December. Okay, 7th, 8th of December. Okay, can you send me some details on that one? Yes. And it, so it's basically a two-day event. You yep. get to speak four times on stage 
we take video, we take photos, and I mean, it's really awesome. It's a lot of fun. We do a lot of dancing as well, and a lot of speaking. Um, and we have also a marketing guru who's gonna come, who sold $200 million. Um, and he's my marketing mentor, he's gonna come and speak. And also we have a PR expert who regularly puts people to speak in C at CNN and the Philippines. Uh, he guarantees it, actually. Okay. So, pretty cool. And um, really, I cannot tell you why, but I have magic. Like I have real magic in my fingers. And just for staying in touch and for being part of the network, a lot of things can just happen, you know? Yeah. Um, so even like we had this billionaire coming and speaking at our event and the guy who invited him said he will invite a whole lot more billionaires, uh, which I think is pretty awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and every time, I mean, we, we've been doing this for two years and the first year was just a hobby really. Mm. And now we're doing it more seriously. Um, but you know, like we were featured on the cover of a magazine as well. It's cause just someone asked us if we want, you know, mm -hmm. and just a lot of things just happen, you know, like I can show you some of my, my awards from the universities where I spoke at, I have them just here. Cool. Yeah. So you should totally come. In okay. fact, I think you'd be crazy not to come. Okay. So is it a, is it a mailing list or anything I'd have to get on? Uh, no, I can, I can send you a link so you can cool. have a look at it. You've got my email or you want to send it through LinkedIn? I can send you through LinkedIn. Okay, fantastic. But okay, you can I'm... give me your email if you want. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. and I'm actually going to do another event in Ireland. I think it's in March or April. I think April. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'm curious now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I managed to also put the books of the, my authors in bookstores as well in Ireland. Nice. And, and because of that, I'm doing the event in Ireland in order to promote the bookstores a little bit. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Excellent stuff. All right. Well, I'm excited now. So I'm just going to wait for that to come through and like to check it out. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for, for um, this, you know, for your time. And um, you can let me know what, what you need help with. Okay. Fantastic. I'm going to yeah. get back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Send that over. I'll check it out. And then, and then we can, Maybe arrange another chat if we need to, or just keep in touch on LinkedIn. Yeah, cool. Fab. Thank you, and Lily. If you, need, if you need more people to actually be interviewed, I have, I have um, a truckload. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. If if I can help in any way, like with 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 the books and promotion, more than willing, more than willing. Yeah, I think I I have a lot of people with with really inspirational stories, so I think that they would perhaps boost ratings. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Works both ways. I mean, it's, you know, I'm yeah. Fantastic. If I can share these stories of inspiration with the world, I mean, I suppose in a way, my goal is not so far away from yourself, you know, to inspire others to change. Yeah. So, I mean, there is one lady who was run over by a lorry and survived. Oh, wow. And there is actually one guy who was blind for 10 years and now he has a book. Uh, and then there is a lady with, five heart attacks who survived and actually Sandro he was actually homeless when he was young he came from Portugal with uh with his parents uh at three years old and lived on the street Oy. so I, I I somehow seem to be attracting a lot of inspirational people I don't know why but 
go with it. It's actually quite exciting. You know, it's much more exciting than the boring topics. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I get I hear what you're saying, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, best wishes for your for your partner and your you have children, yeah? Yeah, yeah, three children. Yeah, for your children as well. Yeah. And have a good night, yeah? Yeah, I will indeed. Thank you, Lily. All the Thank best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.